How's it going, folks? My name's Dave Jordan, and welcome to episode two of the Active Minds podcast, which aims to open up honest conversations on our mental health, celebrate stories of people's resilience and growth through dark times, as well as to explore and share the things that help us with healing, positive change, and happiness. My second guest on the podcast is an amazing woman with a beautiful soul. Sean Lee is an entrepreneur, health coach, yoga instructor, and full-time mother of two, whose positivity, compassion, and love of life is infectious. Sean has always led an adventurous whirlwind lifestyle, but in 2011, her world came crashing down when the stresses and strains of modern life led her to developing chronic fatigue syndrome which according to her doctor at the time was incurable. Throughout her illness, she researched and studied her condition and gradually learned how to heal herself through rest, restorative yoga, meditation and dietary changes. She went on to make a full recovery and the journey she'd been forced to take went on to inform her future career as a much respected health coach. Sean has managed to combine her passions for the outdoors, yoga, nutrition, psychology, and a deep desire to help others into a business that uses a holistic approach to improve her clients' physical and mental well-being. As ever, Sean is open and honest about her own struggles during our conversation and generous in sharing her knowledge on mental health and the things that help us with healing and living happier lives. An apology in advance for the sound quality in parts on this, not, not quite up to scratch. But that aside, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sean Lee. Hey, Sean, welcome to the Active Minds podcast. Hi, Thanks for coming Dave. on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So listen, l- last time we messaged, you were having a frantic time trying to get back f- from from Europe, that must have been hugely stressful start to the whole lockdown thing. Oh my goodness, it was so surreal, and um, it, it was it was I felt almightily foolish for flying right into the eye of the tornado. Um, because as I took off from New Zealand, I had spoken to a number of people in, in Verbier. So I was going to go and work in France for a week on the Jenny Jones workshop. And then I was going on to work in Verbier. And so I called them and I said, look, is this, you know, should I be worried? Should I be flying? And um, as I got on the plane, I saw on the wall, Trump shuts the borders. And I thought, wow. oh, well, he's a bit of a fool. So. The Mexicans or, <laughs> <laughs> oh, or just in general? Don't. Oh, my God. We can't even go there. Um, <laughs> oh, my heart's been breaking this week. But, yes, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. Yeah, so um, I flew over there and really to cut a long story short, I – stayed with my friend Neil he had it um then I went to uh he didn't have it at the time but he got it the day I left um then I went I didn't know that oh my god yeah it was wild he was terribly sick too and he's you know a very fit mountain man then we went McNair McNair oh wow yeah okay 
Um, and then we went to the workshop and I said, and as I say, he wasn't sick at the time. He was, to- he, he was well, but after I left, he was like, I'm not feeling good. Um, but at the workshop, I spoke to a BA uh, stewardess and she said, to, I said to her, hey, how serious is this? And she said, this is insane. It's, uh, you need to get on a plane right now. And my blood ran cold. You know, I I just thought, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? She said, there's planes stranded all over the world. I wasn't worried about getting it because at that time I wasn't aware of the serious nature of it and how, you know, in my mind I just thought, oh, it's the flu. I've got a really good immune system. I'll be fine. It's better that I get it. And since then I have had many clients who've had it and it's not just the flu it's a horrible thing that keeps coming back and attacking their organs and um so I went back to the room and I got on the phone to Air New Zealand it took me an hour to get through and then I was on to them for two hours trying to piece the flight back because they'd already lost flights everywhere and she said I will get you on on Wednesday and this was Saturday and at that moment um, France announced the decree so they said we're shutting borders um and I just said to her get me on whatever you can and she said I'll get you on a train to Zurich get on a train to Zurich and I'll get you on a flight to Singapore and you'll have to spend a day in Singapore and then I can get you home and I said no just get me on a flight as soon as you can and I'll spend a night in Zurich and so I got out in the morning and they then started barricading the roads to the resort and um I got to Geneva and got on my flight and when I landed in Zurich it was weird it was this airy sensation of um like a zombie apocalypse it was so weird and Germany shut the borders they turned all the trains back from Geneva Mm. so I would have been turned back and I went to a hotel and the guy on reception said to me oh when do you fly and I said tomorrow and he said okay I think you're on the last flight out of here And that night, you know, it takes quite a lot to um, panic me. And I just felt this sensation through my body. And it was so, because I obviously work in um, health, and I just felt fight or flight, fight or flight all night long. Yeah, and uh, because this whole thing was playing out on on Facebook, Facebook, you were updating people, and, and I could sense... I think everyone could. Everyone was just egging you on. And the fact that the realization that you were going to be stranded for at least a month was was really obvious. It was awful. And I thought if I'm here and I was in this little hotel room in this airport car park and there was nothing, there were no cars on the street, there were no cars in the airport, there was no lights, you know, it was so weird. And I just did yoga and I kept calling my mum and she was like, you're going to be fine. And my dad, and he was like, you're okay. It's okay. It's okay. And um, so I got up at like three in the morning and went to the airport and my flight wasn't till 11. And I, as I got on the plane, I picked up a financial times and it said in there, any Singapore has stopped um, allowing anyone who's coming from France. And I'd obviously been in from France And I just thought, oh, my God, what do I do? You have to declare it. And so when I landed in Singapore, they um, 
We're doing random spot checks on your place of origin and also your um, your temperature. And so, I mean, I never take pain relief. I took two Panadol. I got them off the lady on the plane because I thought just in case I have a temperature, I'll bring it down. And when mm. I got off, Good I... Good thinking. Yeah, sneaky, eh? And, Naughty, uh, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I hid in the business class lounge, not because I was flying business class, but because my husband travels so much, I had access to it, that I um, hid there for 25 hours, I think. No way. Yeah. Wow. And at first, I was so scared that they were going to come in and get me out. I truly hid behind a couch. And then after about six hours, I like made a bed and just lay down and put on my sound healing and was like, it's okay, you're in Singapore, you're almost there. And, um, and you know, bearing in mind, I'd been through Singapore on the Friday and it had been normal. And I came back through on the Tuesday and it was like military. It was crazy. And five days, it was crazy. So I um, was really, you know, I... I uh, so I have a love-hate with social media, but goddamn, I loved social media those four days. I had messages You got from, a lot of support. I had so much support and so much love, and I felt every single message made me feel better. Prayers from people. Oh, it was really amazing. So if you ever know anyone going through a tricky time, you send them your love because that love is absorbed, honestly. I really needed it. And I, my mum and dad, the funny thing was in New Zealand, New Zealand hadn't quite realised because we're at the other end of the world, the severity of the situation. So my mum and dad who are in the North Island and we live in the South Island and I was talking to Ed and he was like, no, it's not that bad, you know, there's no sign of it here. We're totally fine in Wanaka. Kids are still at school, whatever. And mum and dad said, oh, just come and isolate with us. You know, you have to isolate now. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that to you. I'll kill you. And then, so dad met me at the airport and um, it was my dog in the car. And I went and isolated at their um, batch, which is, you know, a um, place you go in summer, a little house. Um and then after a week, Jacinda, our incredible leader, she um, said, look, this is serious. And we, her exact words were, we go hard. We go hard and we go now. And she just shut the whole country down. So I then had to get dispensation to fly to be with my family because otherwise it would have been six weeks before I could get from the North Island to the South Island. And how long was your self-isolation? I did two weeks. Yeah, two yeah. weeks. It was pretty hard. And I was just saying to you earlier that my my sister on Saturday, she's a, a nurse. She was diagnosed, or she she got um uh, tested positive, which means now I've I'm into the start of two weeks mm. isolation. So, give me some tips. Oh, thank God you've got your dog. <laughs> yeah, Paddy's Paddy's looking after me. You need to start my program. I'll send you a code, a discount code. Because Brilliant. what I did was I just said to myself, okay, you're going to make the most of this time where you have no contact with the outside world. So I started filming. 
um, my yoga. I, you know, tested my recipes, redid my recipes. I did, found TED Talks that supported what I was prophesizing. I started filming health hacks and I created this, that 22 Days to Healthy program that I've been bleating on about for the last few years and it saved my bacon because I had a purpose you have to wake up every morning with a purpose so you you need to um, build a new website or you know Ed's been learning French again um, because he lost all my so Ed my husband lost all his work immediately till January and we're building a house yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, have to teach a few more yoga classes. Maybe you should have taken a pod carrying or bricklaying. <laughs> wow, don't joke. He's going to um he's gonna work on the exterior wood of the house. He's gonna be the laborer. <laughs> Good man. Yeah, and he, he'll learn. So that, It'll be cool, yeah. I, I love your approach to that because basically there you you've got two choices. You 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 could crumble and, and be on the phone to your, your your parents or everyone just crying and wallowing in it. And you chose, right, this is out of my control. Let's make the best of it. Yeah. And I did have a few days of crying. Don't get me wrong. I am a crier, though. I do. Um, I cry when I'm happy and I cry when I'm sad. And I've spent the week crying because... When I'm overwhelmed, I cry. It's as if the overwhelm comes into my body and then it has to come out through some way. So I cry and I found this week so overwhelming on so many levels. And when I got back from Europe, I was I was overwhelmed because I was then talking to clients who were so sick. Like who were they couldn't get into the hospitals because they were overloaded in Switzerland, so they were on lying in bed unable to breathe and I'm in New Zealand but they just need to to have uh, contact with someone who was you know saying it's going to be okay let's just do your meditation come on you know this breathing you know I have one lady who said your your breathing got me through because she could not breathe so wow, that's intense it's intense and for you as well yeah it was intense and it was em emotionally um a lot and I really relied on you know my girlfriends and my family and I tried not to put too much onto Ed because he was with the kids and I didn't want the kids to know you know how full-on it was because they you know they're they're little their 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 worlds are so intense as pre-teenagers as it is and they don't need but, but I think I, I think um it's a really healthy thing to express how you're feeling yes. anyway. And that's something maybe I'll come on to a bit later that got me very much into trouble was, was a contributing factor in my anxiety and depression was not expressing feelings. Um, so I think it's like a valve, isn't it? If you're feeling really sad to express that. But, but also for your kids to witness that. That yeah. that's how that's a healthy thing. That's yeah. the way you deal with emotions. It's okay to do that. Yeah, I, th I think that's it is. I really listened important. to a podcast this week that said, you know, let your children know how this makes you feel. And on Wednesday, when I picked them up from school, I said to them, 
it's been a black day this week is a black week and it is and I started crying and I was explaining to them you know this breakdown of society because of this moron leading this country that used to be the the greatest Mm. country in the world and now this man has broken it and prior to him there was someone so incredible who made such change and that one man can have triggered something and triggered the thoughts of then another podcast I listened to today was this brilliant woman who was relating uh, financial decline in society to racism and she said she was she just used to talk about finances and um, she said she had this phone call one day while she was uh, presenting on live TV and she said this man said I am a racist and um, but I want to change and she said she was live and she had to talk to this man and they ended up meeting and she changed him and you know with you know there are always going to be people like that in society especially in middle america but if you have the right message they will change and they've had the wrong message and god it's gone so wrong yeah i mean from doing doing the counseling courses i've done one of the one of the topics i covered was prejudices mm. and and we're, we've all got them everyone's got them it's mm. in human nature and you pick them up as, as a child it's a learned behavior mm. um and it just has to be unlearned and and re-educated but it's uh yeah it's a bit of a shit show at the moment all right it is god but it's i keep saying to the kids you know we must learn from this and you guys have to make the change you know for me it's always been food and mental health um Mm. the relationship between food and mental health but also ptsd um trauma and it you know as a child and it rearing its head later on in life and addressing those issues and um yeah i feel like potentially right now at this time we we could get a reboot hopefully society (laughs) I pray. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I, I'm hoping. That's what I'm taking out of it. Mm. That m- maybe I thought maybe it's the circles I've been moving in the last few years of coaches mm. and and counselors and but but I I get a sense that you know maybe we've been served this up Trump mm. and Johnson and, and, and oh, all, all these just awful leaders uh, um, that that this is. We need to be brought to this stage for change, a big change to come around. Yeah. And actually, you, you mentioned your, you know, uh, Jacinda Ardern, oh. uh, Arden, you know, as a role model and as a leader, everyone's wishing, Christ, I wish, I wish she was at the helm in our country. She's just, she's just remarkable. And you hear, mm. and if you listen to anyone speaking right now, they just, or all, all the, the end messages, empathy and kindness, empathy and kindness. And her entire political campaign, you know, four years she's been in and the whole base of it has been empathy and kindness. And she just. And, and, yeah, her compassion or her compassion. humanity, just, it's, it, it all shines through doesn't it yeah and and she but you know what she's getting a bit of a hard time at the moment and i get a bit cross i have to say i actually have to not bring my i bring my phone into the room so i can do my meditation before i go to sleep but i need to find a better way to do it because i do this lovely guided 
meditation because what I started doing, because I didn't want to put the news on for the kids, so I would get the kids down and then I'd go on my phone and look at the news and get, you know, go on social media and get my knickers in a right twist, seeing people who I thought were good human beings posting these ridiculous comments on social media about, oh, the most recent one I read was that um, I was about Jacinda and how, and so how you, you, you got us into this economic plight, how are you going to get us out? You know, and, and they're hard writers, um, but they, and, you know, sometimes I waste my time by writing a reply, a uh, bit of a global issue. <laughs> <laughs> not really New Zealand's fault. And if you guys had seen what I saw and what I have seen, then you'd realize we dodged a freaking bullet. Not yeah. only are we surrounded by water, so we're very lucky because we're physically isolated and also, you know, five million people across the same size country as Japan means we're not living in the same intensity as London or New York. So geographically, we're blessed. We also came out of summer. So our vitamin D level was really high so we could fight bugs. But then we just shut the borders. What you guys did this weekend in the UK, we did 12 weeks ago. You know? Yeah, I mean, what we did was we we held Cheltenham Festival, um, and and um, what was it? There was another Liverpool Liverpool game on that that weekend, um, and that you know that's that's proved to be here. Let me cough right, on you. Just just indecisive as mm. compared to Leo Varadka in Ireland was very yeah. You know, he's 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 been pretty amazing actually. He's been amazing, decisive compassionate and got the whole country behind him yeah that's gorgeous um, and it seems like you know well she, she's been the poster girl isn't she she's, she's been the poster girl incredible and she's what i like about her too is we watch these you watch these meetings and um she knows every single journalist by name and mm. she comes across she's kind she's empathetic but boy she's tough so this yesterday when i was listening to the the brief um they said uh gordon gordon said to her so jacinda i noticed that you were uh, breaking the one meter uh, rule yesterday um, uh, when you met, uh, hold on a minute, Gordon. Hold on a minute, Gordon. That is not strictly true. Ah, uh, yes, but don't interrupt me, Gordon, whilst I'm speaking. You know, she's tough as nails. <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess with her. She's great. And she's got a she's got a young baby as well. She's just got a freaking superwoman. baby. Who does that? She's superwoman. I worry about her. I want to send her food, gluten free treats <laughs> but her, you know Clark is great and her he has a fishing show um, <laughs> oh my god only in New Zealand is that her, hus yeah. her husband Clark Gable oh. yeah he's he, okay. uh, has he got a fishing show or he was on a fishing show and one of the prizes last year was you could spend a day fishing with Clark <laughs> 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 oh great! <laughs> oh my God, that's the prime. What other country? You could get you can get a day out with the prime minister's partner. That, that so sounds funny. quite Irish, actually. Yeah, well, we're similar, <laughs> you know. We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wales has had a hard time, haven't they? I guess they're not separated by as much water. I think water's the key. Yeah, I'm. 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 You know, I'm no authority on this, but I do think the Cheltenham festival was quite a big factor in that because right. i don't know two 
300,000 people from everywhere, Ireland, all descended there and, and just expanded. 300,000. So, oh, my God. Mm. Well, so you're, you, you got back, you did your self-isolation. And then from, from what I've seen, you, you've, you've had a, a really nice setup in the, the commune. Oh, the commune. Shared with, with another couple and a baby. It's, yeah. It looks, it was fab. It's great, Craig. So what happened was we um, gave up our rental. Um, wow, that's strictly not quite the truth. I was illegally you did a runner. Airbnb-ing the back section <laughs> of it and I got caught. So um, we got not we, – our lease was not renewed. <laughs> Um, and and we were going to Europe for our five-week annual trip. Um, I had to retain my title of old ladies, big ear world champion, UK world champion, um, obviously scuppered. And Ed and the kids were following me a week later and um, and obviously I returned and so we, we were not allowed to leave. And bless them, Flossie and Jace were just so brilliant. Um, yeah, they have a one-year-old and a massive piece of land. So we did, we set up the um, vegetable tunnel. Um, we built, or the boys built, a dirt jump track in the backyard. They put up a boxing um, bag for Suki's teenage anger so she could punch that instead of her brother. Um, I bet your girls don't get teenage anger, do they? They're so oh, they do. Oh, and, do they? Uh, yeah, and and there's there's a load of it about to come. Well, three girls. Oh, my gosh. Reaching or Rosie's reaching puberty, and so oh. yeah. I bet Evie doesn't. It's though. not the Walter. No, Evie. Evie's pretty measured. Yeah, she yeah, she be calm. God, Suki's not. She's as mad as she was when she was three, but she's now thirteen. Um, so if you remember some of the fights, goodness. So yeah, we had this amazing setup, and we, I think I, I weighed myself at my mom and dad's before I went to Europe and then I went to the doctor just after lockdown and um, I was I put on 5kg <laughs> yeah wow. just because we ate so much good food it was like being on a seven week dinner party because Flossie's a chef and and she's a glutoid and I'm a glutard and um, she's also a sh sugar lover because it tastes better and I'm obviously anti-sugar. So she was sneaking all sorts of things in that obviously poisoning, you. poisoning me and sticking to my thighs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, it's gone again. Uh, yeah, but I never weighed myself. I was intrigued to see that. And we had a ball. But then at the end of um, – as soon as we moved to level three – we realised um, that because the kids, you know, they need to have friends over and they're noisy. My children are noisy. So we decided we only live now like 40 metres down the road from them and they're here every day or we're there as mm. well. So we still, yeah, we just moved out and we've got a hot tub in this rental. It was an Airbnb and we got it for mega cheap. So it's really good. Yeah, I, I have been one of those privileged middle-class white people who have received the handout from the government. We got $7,000 from our government. Um, and I've had an, um, an incredible lockdown. I loved the intensity of the 
family life. Ed travels six months of the year, so this is the longest we've ever spent together. Had to and have you're still it. together. My God. I woke, I woke him one morning at three in the morning because I was just festering. And I was like, listen, normally you leave so often and I can just swallow stuff. But do you know what? I've just got to let you know that this drives me bananas. And he was like, you had to wake me to tell you that. And I was like, yes, because I can't sleep. And then I promptly fell asleep. <laughs> and he was wide awake for the rest of the night. just like. <laughs> well, again, I, you know, I, I think that's. That's really healthy coming from someone who's divorced. I think it, it, that's exactly it. That's expressing well, you know, what, you're, you know, what you're thinking. You can't. I can't help it. So, what 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 have you taken? What what are your big learnings from the two month lockdown on on how you want to live or how how you want the kids to be brought up? Is there any uh-huh. any big changes? What a great question. Um, well, I'm a bit of a um, a school wagger um, anyway. Like my children last year had 53% attendance rate. The year before they probably would have had 45 and the two years before that they would have been lucky to get 50. So I... See, that, that, that would cost you about six grand in England. Oh, well, maybe not that I know, no, it would. <laughs> the fines would be rolling in. And it was when when we were in Switzerland, um, yeah, I was warned and they wanted to take me to the local authorities and I was just like, no way, man, we went to Paris or we went mountain biking or I went to an art gallery. I I don't believe kids need to be in school as much as they are. Um, I think they waste a terrible amount of time at school in certain years um, and what happened with us was uh, Suki's incredibly self-motivated so she just went and did her own work but Oscar um, what we realized quite quickly was he had mastered the art of distraction and you know he's on a computer and there's all these bright shiny things popping up at all times I'll just go on that chat I'll just open a new window so we had Who did he get that from oh my god <laughs> Bright shiny things. So we had to actually I have to confess it's me. Ed is brilliant at single point focus. Me. I'm all over the show. Yeah. Oh really? Wow. Oh uh, yeah, I have a million things going on at all times and and then and then I finish them all at the same time and what an immense amount of satisfaction. But chaos ensues through the process. Um, so what we really worked on and Ed was brilliant at it, um, was bringing in that focus and he sat with him and did some brilliant project work on, you know, Egyptian pyramids and made it come alive and really worked, you know, whereas I'm like, okay, let's get, let's get schoolwork over so we can go and pick all the apples or go and ride in the forest or you can teach me to front flip. It's like, no, we must finish this task and we must finish it properly. So we're quite good in that we're complete opposites in that. I drive him bananas and he drives me bananas to that extent. Um, so Oscar went back to school and in the first couple of weeks he was like, oh, I'm getting all my work done way ahead of anyone else because his focus was so much better and he it really helped him immensely. Um, I just loved it. We did, 
yoga, not as much I would have liked. I have to force my children to do it. I'd love to say they're, they're yogis, but they're, I'm like, get on your mat or you don't get whatever. <laughs> it's not very yogi of me, is it? Um, in the same way I force them to eat things they don't want to eat. So, yeah, it was great. Also, I think um, you have to face things about yourself that you don't like. You have to face things about your family dynamic that you don't like. And you have to address it because you've got no choice. Whereas normally you just walk out the door and, and by the time you come back that evening you forget and then you get stuck in a pattern. So it's really important at this time. Yeah, and, and I, I think a lot of people have struggled with that Yeah, because people have been forced to look inwards and sit and confront stuff maybe that they never would do because life's so busy and, and they're on the, the treadmill. And I guess it also shines a spotlight on, on relationships. Yeah. You can't hide from, from them any, any cracks or problems. You can't hide from cracks. And it's, it's so interesting. I put a talk on, on the program. I think it's like day six or day eight. And it's um, how, how the key to happiness. And he talks, you know, he's a medical doctor, psychologist, absolute genius. And he talks about the happiest people he's seen in his life. And he said, we spend our life quashing our emotions. We, you know, when you get a kid that has a tantrum, oh, shush. You know, calm down, don't have that tantrum. When you have a teenager losing their shit, stop behaving like that. You must, you know, stop yelling at me. Whereas they're finding their their voice, they're expressing what's happening inside. And then as an adult, you first of all dull it with alcohol. You dull it with drugs. You dull it with meaningless sex. You dull it with being a workaholic. You dull it with buying possessions. You dull it with eating shit food and getting that high and that low until one yes. day you can't dull it anymore. And I think lockdown has put people in a position where they just can't dull that voice anymore and they have to address and just mm. sit and be with their feelings and those feelings can be so uncomfortable it's like when you wake up with a headache and if you if you're like oh god I've got a headache how am I going to get through the day this is such a nightmare I can't cope with this oh I'm just going to dull it with some Panadol whereas what I try to do I had a headache last week for the first time in ages and I was like come on, let's practice what we preach. I'm going to say, oh, why did I have that headache? Oh, you know what? I was really busy yesterday and maybe that cortisol couldn't get out of my body and it's been circulating all night and it's caused this inflammation in my head. So I'm going to do my Wim Hof breathing. I'm going to do my Analoma Veloma, which is the alternate nostril breathing. And then I'm going to have a cold shower until it goes. And so I look at why I got it and then I actually make myself work to get rid of it. And your body then gets a shortcut to know how to deal with it next time instead of just taking a Panadol. And that's, you know, a, a really good analogy, I think, for life, really. Yeah, and you, I mean, you're very in touch with your, yourself and, and your self-awareness. But it's really interesting you, you you bring that point up because it's a perfect segue into the the next thing I was going to bring up. But because you know, 
I've suffered from anxiety and depression for a long time because you you've helped treat me mm. um, as a health coach so compassionately. Um, um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, but I've slowly pieced it together, and and it very much relates to what you've you've just said there. That that my so so I'm interested in discovering the core or discovering and exploring the causes, mm. and I've traced mine back to. Uh, primary school mm. um, corporate punishment. I, I've spoken to you about it before, mm. but even more so, I think it was because I never expressed it. I, mm. I never spoke to anyone about the the terror of it, the the sadness, the confusion. So you carry those rocks around for thirty five years. I know I never explored it or talked about it. Or, for 35 years until it brought me, you know, to my knees. Mm. Um, and I, I guess that's the, that's a big causal factor for, for a lot of people carrying trauma or some sort of oh, stress it's huge. around. Fix you on a cellular level. Mm. And it affects the way your brain and your body communicate. So you're almost pushed into this fight or flight on an ongoing basis and your body and your brain think you're being chased by a bear every single day 24 hours a day at a very oh, that's how yeah that's how i felt for a lot you know a long long time without actually realizing it now I, ne I never went down the drugs or drink route too much <laughs> i never used it as a crutch but it it the burden of it mm. was you know was huge and where's it at now um yeah still a work in in progress but like you i've the more work you do in yourself, the more aware you become of, of the need to express those feelings. And, and like you said, like doing somatic, some somatic work, mm. getting, it, getting it out of, out of your cells or mm. expressing it in some way to get, to get it out and, and to have a release. Mm. So it's, it's a long time. I mean, there's no, as you know, there's no silver bullet to it. You know, it's a combination. For me, it's a combination of of eating well, of of doing the work, of not drinking. Yeah, um, Bose is big. Bose is huge in it because it just tips you over the edge. It's the sugar and, yeah. and the alcohol combination is so bad. And how do you find like how, how do you find this relates to the clients that you treat? Is, mm. I, I presume stress and oh uh, well and trauma. Do you know something so funny was um so the first week so March fifteen, which is kind of my pivotal date where it all kicked off, until the end of March I was flat out. All my clients I had them all booked because I Skype people all over the world and and the terror was real. Then lockdown started, and I mean, I, I know it's financial. Um, I didn't have a client. For, I probably had two clients for like three weeks, which was such a blessing for me because I was then able to 100%, um, you know, get up at five every morning, film my yogas, work on my program, then homeschool the kids, then we'd, you know, do a run or something. I'd have my little afternoon siesta, which I make compulsory for all clients, meditation into siesta. 
And um, yeah, it was it, it it was so good. And then I've noticed as lockdown has started to abate and country, you know, Switzerland, it stopped a couple of weeks ago, um, which is where half my clients are. Um, I've got really busy again. So taking away the stress of life, even though being thrown in this melting pot with your family and having to homeschool them and juggle work, I don't think people were actually as stressed as they are in normal existence. Mm. Because yeah. stress... I'd agree with you. Yeah, isn't that wild? Mm. But I, I, again, just to, I, I'm, I'm, just to note your reaction to it rather than... When you look, you lost the majority of your clients. You looked at it optimistically and went, "Oh well, let's hang out with the kids. Let's do some yoga. Let's do oh, this." Yeah, well, and on, then it just righted itself. Oh, it righted itself. Anyway. It always writes itself. I, I truly believe. I mean, you know, I, I consider myself ridiculously privileged, and I was born into a middle-class white family my mum's a nurse my dad's a town planner they worked ridiculously hard so we could I I went to a private school for the first five years of schooling because my brother was gifted and um the local school system didn't understand him so I by default got to go um you know my whole life has been one big lucky charm um and I do you cite your your optimistic outlook and positivity because you're, you're such a positive person uh life and soul o- obviously you've got you've got all sorts of factors at play in terms of genetics yes your, your upbringing um trauma but but as a foundation your family upbringing was just loving and solid. yeah right very strict yeah. very strict uh rock solid um you know, my my dad was home every day at five thirty. He was he's Welsh, full of love, emotion, cries at the drop of a hat like me. He should have seen us at the airport when I came back from lockdown <laughs> and wearing our masks and gloves, and I'm bawling my eyes out. I couldn't stop crying, and he's crying and oh. Oh, you should have videoed that. <laughs> I, know, I know. Where was my selfie it at that gone moment? Viral. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably on the it's probably on the airport cameras. I imagine they had a good old giggle. Oh, here we go again. That couple. No, um, yeah, genetics definitely, you know. My, my dad, he was a product of post um World War Two, is born in forty two. He was raised in Merthyr Tidville, which actually has had more deaths in COVID than I think any other village in the whole of Great Britain, United Kingdom. Wow. Yeah, it's been pretty rough. Um, yeah, but he, he's always had a joie de vie and we're born a day apart and, um, you know, he feels so lucky that he arrived in New Zealand. When we talk every day, my mum and my dad and I, either just by text or on the phone and we're always like, oh, my God, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. The more and the more you say it, you know, I make the kids, they come home from school, oh, you know, so and so said this to me and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe they're having a shitty time at home and I hope you are nice back to them. And, you know, as a teenager, you do think the world's against you because your amygdala is standing on end, that little thing in your brain, your brainstem. But the more 
you say it, I'm so lucky I'm alive. Also, and and you will feel this, when you've had a long-term illness, I was so sick for three years. Mm. When you have had a long-term illness, every single day you wake up without that illness is a bloody gift. I, I still, the second I get a cold, I panic that I've got the chronic fatigue back because it feels like that, the throat, the fatigue, the headache, the sore eyes, the achy limbs. And I'm like, ah, it's back. And then I give myself a firm talking to and I say, no, it's not. It's just a cold. You're okay. You're going to be fine tomorrow. Drink some tea tree oil and you'll be good. So, um, yeah, the 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 happy disposition which you're you're right and I'm so aware of it and I'm so lucky it's self perpetuating is that the right expression yeah I think that that's the I mean I was given the gift as as well of a, amazing parents yeah. loving parents really solid background uh, family background there was uh, a history of mental illness mm-hmm. um, but I. From the work I've done, I, you know, I cite it to the to the trauma mm-hmm. and combined with with bottling up the yep. feelings um, for such over over such a long period has been the you know the tipping point with it. But um, yeah, what a gift your parents gave you, and and the way you bring your kids up with uh, educating them in terms of diet and feelings mm. and compassion and empathy, and and as a a role model. It's uh, it's what it's all about, isn't it? Well, yeah, but you muddle your way through, you know, like everyone. I, I there's room for improvement everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I I still wake up at two o'clock in the morning, and think, oh shit, I got that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> okay. Well, parents fuck their kids up. It's a, oh, it's a fact. That, no matter what you do, it's human oh, no nature. Matter what. But oh, you should have if seen you're conscious this morning. If, if you're conscious yeah. of how you're behaving and what you're doing. Yes. And you apologize. Oh, my God. Apologize, 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 apologize. That's okay. I'm so sorry I used that tone of voice. My message was correct, but I shouldn't have used that tone of voice. <laughs> I'm so mm-hmm. sorry I upset you. But, <laughs> no, you're not meant to use the but. Yeah. And I think being really, something that I've taken from lockdown as well is never, um, and I said this to Matt Barr, Try not to, as you say, as human beings, we do, uh, you didn't say judge, you used another word. Um, As much as humanly possible, try not to judge another person's behavior because with my kids, I look at them and I just think, you poor thing, you grew this month two inches. You are a different person. You have hormones. You're dealing with immense mental stress you must learn this immense social pressure you know there's just this constant pressure on them so I always say hey you know what I know it's your turn to do the dishwasher but it takes me two minutes and I was allowed to have a nana nap today and you weren't (laughs) so I'm going to do that dishwasher for you (laughs) (laughs) Ed thinks I'm far too soft (laughs) Yeah, but it's a good cop, nice combination of good cop, bad cop. Yeah, good cop, bad cop, yeah, yeah sometimes. Um, Sean, tell, tell me about your first career, because did, didn't you study psychology, was it? In, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, and, then, and then you came to, to Europe to work. 
Yeah. In Geneva. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I went straight from school. I went to university. I did psychology. In my third year, I did neuroscience. Um, I then uh, went to Canada to do my master's in neuroscience was my intention at McGill University because my family were based in Montreal. Um, and then I went to Whistler. And I got stuck in Whistler. Whoops, the days. <laughs> and that masters will happen, I promise you. Um, but I then spent uh, quite a few years snowboarding, and um, then what happened next? Oh, I was I travelled. You know, I backpacked. I worked. I snowboarded. I just spent my twenties floating, really. And I had a, a job a recruitment in London that I could just always go back to. So I'd dip in and out of that. And then I recruited myself to Switzerland, um, to Geneva, because I was 20, I think I was 27, and I thought, oh, I can't keep doing seasons. I'm too old. What was I thinking? Um, I was far too young to stop doing seasons. And <laughs> so... So you were in recruitment. I was in recruitment. and I When I met you. Yeah. No. When I met you, I had landed this job. I, I recruited myself as a PA in IATA, um, the International Air Transport Association. But within like three months, I was so bored. And I said to my boss, who was director of... Was direct, I can't remember, I should remember that, Graham. Um, I said, oh, look, you need to give me more work. This is boring. So he put me on a project where we were, it was 2001 and the internet had just started. And so we were putting in an online settlement system between airlines and the travel agents so that this cash money wasn't being lost in the Italian systems, the Spanish systems. So I was project coordinating and traveling all over the world in business and first class in a suit pretending to be this person and then coming back and snowboarding in the weekend and that was when I met you in Maribel. Wore a suit by week and my Etnies <laughs> by the weekend and my Vulcan jeans. <laughs> a proper double life. It was a total double life. It was fabulous. And so you, you, you enjoyed that you enjoyed that work, but did oh, you I, know that that wasn't your Oh, no, I your, loved your it. I would, have stayed loved there. it. I would have stayed there forever, but Ed, I met Ed. Um, Big Eddie. That night, the morning I met you, I'd met Big Eddie. Um, re, Just clarify that, re, please. I had, re, <laughs> I had actually not spent the night with Big Eddie that night. I had been with some other friends um, <laughs> who shall remain nameless. Um, and I uh, ended up going out with Ed and he eventually, we, I was in Switzerland a couple more years and I had said to him, you know, we will live in New Zealand. And he said, well, come and live in Brighton for a few years um, before we move back to New Zealand. So I gave out my... $130,000 tax-free job in Switzerland to move and work at Salzburg. <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, <laughs> For the love of life my life. Choices. Life choices. And so I started working on snowboard events. I worked on the British Champs and then I started making snowboard films. Um 
and girls snowboard films with Josie and Leslie McKenna and I met uh, Jenny Jones, you know, a lot of lifelong friends and obviously Spenny and Stu and all the British snowboard scene who Ed was obviously in the middle of it at that time and it was just fabulous and you guys were living up the road in Brighton um, and started up an import business and started importing WSC into New Zealand. So I was flying back and forth to New Zealand uh, in between everything else. And then I think I got pregnant. <laughs> mm. But I didn't slow down. I continued to do it all and Suki um, was just attached to my breast and um, kept going and kept going. And then I had Oscar the same week the global financial crisis hit. And he was just a super bomb of allergies. And my business almost went under. I lost oh, immense amounts of money, 100 grand in like the space of it. not just I had stock coming from Sweden. I had shops going bankrupt. I had a newborn who had colic till he was 13 months, an 18, a 19-month-old toddler. And then um, I just kept going. I started to notice at that time I was getting, um, I always had some kind of cold or sore throat or headache or eczema or achy limbs or I started getting insomnia. See, yeah, segue. You're, you're always... Um you're always given these warning signs, aren't you? Yeah. Your body or your head is going, stop, pay yeah. attention. There's something wrong here. And that's something I've learned to, you know, the hard way that you are given these signposts. Yes. But we mask them. I had a client this week and she said to me, oh, yeah, so I was taking Valium, Voltaren, Ibuprofen, Panadol. It was, I had to, to get through the day. I was like, holy shizzle on my whistle. Thank God we stopped that now. It's, um, yeah, but I was the same. You know, I was just taking heaps of pills and antibiotics and Voltaren for all the aches and pains. And and then just one, um, Oscar had an anaphylactic attack when he was four and he almost died. And, and that was the last time I had the same sensation where my blood ran cold. Mm. Um, as I had with lockdown and I felt myself go into shock and then I was fine and then six months later I just literally could not get out of bed I was completely and I, you know I'd been slowly going downhill that day I'd met with a very difficult sales manager in the Mac stores we'd started doing headphones and he had like axed my line of headphones and he was mean he was just a meanie and uh I couldn't get out of bed and Ed was away a lot so I had to move in with mum and dad and they really saved my life they looked after the kids so so do you put that down to just you taking on too much too much pressure too much stress and it just this was your body saying right you're not listening to me yep bang because that that's exactly what happened to me I yeah I, I was very stressed at work. I took on a house renovation, uh, doing the finances for that. And it just all, and plus historical bag, baggage, it just came to a head and it went, right, you're, you're not listening. So 
this this is our only way of protecting you. Yep. And I had a breakdown. I just physically just you just went break. to bed. Yeah, just snapped. Went went to bed. Um, and 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 it was saying you you either heal or the next step is a, a chronic illness. Yep. Or a fatal illness, cancer, whatever. A fatal, however, however it a fatal illness. Or, or you heal and, and recover. Yeah, and I truly think it is a fatal illness. I actually really believe that. I'd listen to a lot of podcasts from, you know, a woman with breast cancer or who are fighting it, and, and they all have the same story. And I know one set of blood work I got back, and the woman said to me, here is cancer, here are you. And it was, you know, two degrees. I was like, what? She said, you are so sick. Why aren't mm. you listening to your body? And and I was like, oh, my God, but what, but what is it? You know, you, you go through this thing where you're a bit like, because it doesn't, you know, with you, they say, ah, oh, you've got depression. So I... Where you say you have the genetic predisposition, this is really important. So when you do your, if you do 23andMe um, gene reading, so they look at your 23 DNA strands, we are born with a genetic predisposition to certain illnesses due to the um, our history. So you have my nana who lived to 101 and, you know, um, didn't really have much wrong with her or a little bit of reflux. Then you have a generation of women. My mom, um, she never took the pill. The pill is hugely damaging to the body. I'll never let my daughter take the pill. Um, but she is a nurse, so she would have, you know, she was in the era of antibiotics and steroids started coming about. Um, and then my generation, oh, my God, we took everything. <laughs> everything and <laughs> and we were the generation that were told we could do everything so not only were we going to have these amazing careers but we were going to have children and we were going to never be tired and we we're going to be superwoman and god forbid you ever you know you ever I would used to be embarrassed if anyone ever saw me not have energy whereas now I'm like okay guys I'm off for my medita meditation and in inverted commas and I do meditate but I sometimes will drift off to a little nine eyes there's so much stigma attached to um taking a rest and you and unfortunately I have the genetic predisposition for chronic fatigue and my daughter does too um so it's really helpful to get these you know, it's not your destiny, but it can be really helpful to be aware of it. So we meditate every night and have done for three years, me and the kids. We do a guided relaxation. Um, you know, it's a full body scan. Um, I watch her like a hawk because she had a – I homeschooled her for a year in Switzerland because she ended up having a chronic fatigue-like illness as well. Um much younger than me, you know, it gets worse every generation um, because not only are you born with these methylation pathways that are open um, from your ancestors, but you also are then exposed to a hell of a lot more than we were and our parents were physically and mentally. Mentally, it's a mental. We've overdeveloped, over-evolved as a species, I believe. 
And and yeah, I, I, mean, I, I agree totally. We've got this two million old year brain. Yeah. Um, that's software just isn't isn't capable or, or, or updated for modern living, for modern life. The stresses, the bombardments. Yeah. And we have amazing capacity for knowledge. So we can tell, you know, there's there's that saying, a hundred years ago, what we um, absorb in a day would be what someone absorbed in a lifetime and processed. But we have this capacity for knowledge and we have this thirst and hunger for knowledge and this desire to always achieve one thing in a day. Well, I know I do and I have to give myself a stern talking to, to not project that onto my kids, you mm. know, on the weekend, just to let them be and to vegetate and because and, I'm a bit like, what, what are we going to do today? You know, on their case. Um, but physically, our bodies are the same as they were when we were cavemen. And so, yeah. our, you know, this week alone, I heard of two people I know who has uh, one, and I've had, a friend who's had a brain aneurysm and, a, and another friend, who one who died, one who survived from a brain aneurysm, friends who've had terrible cancer, friends who've, you know, all these things that shouldn't afflict young people, um, but more and more young people are getting old people disease, Alzheimer's, you know, degenerative arthritis psoriatic arthritis, diabetes, IBS, diverticulitis, all the stuff which used to be what you'd see in someone in their 70s or 80s are now hitting people in their 30s and 40s. And are these physical manifestations of yep. psychological yep. stresses, yep. traumas? Psychosomatic yeah. illness. It's so funny. I used to think psychosomatic illness was something, oh, it's all in your brain, but actually a psychosomatic illness is cancer. Because, yeah. and mum worked on a cancer ward for years and um, she said, because mum is, uh, you know, she's a medical nurse, medical midwife, um, a postnatal specialist, but she also raised us to go to homeopaths and, you know, we'd go and do tapping and we'd do all these crazy things that are now quite normal, but in the 80s they were quite new age. So she's always had a foot in both sides and she said in the cancer awards every single person had gone through a major trauma within the previous year which is what I tie my chronic fatigue final trigger was Oscar's that major trauma so when I had this trauma this time I felt everything and I thought oh you know what and, and I'm going to take a step back from life. Mm. I haven't taught um, a live yoga class this since lockdown lifted because I've been going, because I've known that I've needed to fill my tank immensely. I've um, shut my books to clients for a few months just because I know that I just need to watch myself because I never want to go back to that place again. So you listen now, as, as I do, I know oh, yeah. if sleep starts to go or if certain feelings come up, it, it's like, whoa, yep. right, pay, pay attention. Yeah. 
stopped. Mm. No, no, I just did zero alcohol for a month. I mean, I'm not a huge drinker anyway, but you know, in lockdown, you're a bit like, oh my God, how do I change from day into night? Because I'm still in my pajamas. Or, or I, and we were with friends and it was just fun. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, let's just do a full month off and just reboot and get back on track again. So, yeah, and and also sleep better and all those things that you know happen when you don't have that really sugary glass of wine at night that, is, you know, it just impacts your pancreas and your blood sugar level and your detoxification system, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I really strongly feel that, this needs to be taught in schools. I don't know what it's like over in, in NZ, but um, it's it's got better in terms of mental health in schools. I think kids are more, certainly more educated compared to my generation. Yeah. But I think in, in terms of, you know, anything to do with these things that are going to look after you physically and mentally, you know, there's not enough, nowhere near enough attention paid to diet and the importance of it. Know, to yeah. mental health, to managing your your mental health, to uh, you know managing your social media and, and computer time. Oh God! Um, I, I think a, lo- a lot of this stuff is being not ignored, but it's it's not mm. been taught properly. It's dire at this. At this. I mean, this kids are at a fabulous school here. But they're allowed phones in the school from age 13 and I'm currently embroiled in an ongoing battle, petitions, etc. just because I strongly, it's so addictive. I mean, we as adults know how addictive it is. So for that developing brain that's lost its prefrontal cortex from the moment puberty hits, that's closed for renovation and they can't regulate themselves and they get that yeah depression and anxiety you know my Suki's only just got a phone she's almost 14 and I can see it in her she'll get moody Oscar's had one for longer even though he's younger but that's because he mountain bikes so I bought him one for mountain biking um but yeah we're so strict it's like a two, three-minute moment on their phones in the day. You know, two or three minutes, you have to be that strict, I reckon. Yeah, because there is an explosion. There's no denying it among kids uh, in terms of stress and uh, anxiety and the levels of uh, kids referring on to counsellors yeah. and therapists in schools. And that's a that's a huge worry at that age, isn't isn't it, for the repercussions in, in later in, in life. Yeah, well, it's that. I mean, remember when you were a, a teenager and everyone used to go to a party and you'd hear about it on Monday and how bummed you'd feel? Well, now you mm. can watch it live and you're not there and you're not invited and, oh, how, how bummed you must be. It would be the FOMO. Oh, my mm. God, it would be terrible. And then... You just get that whole self-esteem and then kids don't understand that what they post is up there forever and someone makes a comment. Oh, it's just, mm. it's kind of took, taken a back burner in my mind over the last few months. But, yeah, last week we got back on the bandwagon and um, I'm hopefully we'll get it moving. I mean, there's so many schools now, Israel. Israel and Sweden who are the 
kind of seen as being the most progressive education systems in the world. They're, they've banned um, mobile phone use. And then there's certain states in Australia, um, France, where they've banned it. You can take it in your bag and leave it in your bag, which is fine. But, you know, kids have them out. And I'm up at the school quite a bit if I'm coaching netball or Suki's doing a um, French uh, exams and sometimes I go up there to meet with the, her coach. Kids walk out of their rooms and they pull their phones out of their pockets and they're just looking at them and they're not even talking to each other. They're not checking out the hot guys or the hot chicks. And oh, what are they missing out on? <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> So as a health coach, Sean, what just can you talk me through what, what role you think diet plays in mental health and, and healing? Oh, it's huge. And um, in the same way that stress causes inflammation in your, in your body and then in your mind. So always remember this little rule. If you get a swollen belly after you eat something, you will have a swollen brain. And that's going to make you feel like shit either anxious, depression, um, you have these things in, in bread, um, gluteomorphines, and they cause a morphine-like trigger in your synapses. And um, you get that high and then the low, caseomorphines and cheese, dairy, same thing, um, preservatives, colorings, all these things our, our bodies just can't cope with. So I know for me, I used to get, if I had gluten, I would get nighttime anxiety. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh my God, the world's ending. What was it? So I never had any physical symptoms. Um, I never had stomach pain or, or bloating or I was quite farty. But um, yeah, I, yeah, for me it was, and that's been very valuable because quite often when people say, oh, no, I don't have a reaction to gluten. I'm never bloated or anything. And I say, well, let's just see how you feel after a month off it. And then they try it again and they're like, oh, my God, I felt terrible. Because you, you clear out, well, there's there's two reasons and actually a client said it to me this week I'm sure I never felt this bad off gluten before you in the process you're detoxifying when you take all those things out and like on my program the 22 days to healthy um you take them all out and sometimes your liver can become quite overloaded and your kidneys and your spleen and your skin so your skin breaks out you get dry bits on your skin or you get pimples yeah, you know, you just feel like you're being poisoned. And actually then if you then have the gluten on top of that, it's too much for your liver to process. So you can feel worse than you actually did before. Um, the diet, dreaded die-off. The dreaded die-off. That's the other thing. Remember the die-off? Yeah, so, so yeah, die-off's nasty, all that bad bacteria dies, it releases toxins into your bloodstream and it's basically poisoning you. So, But the good news is once you've done that first time, it will never be as bad as that first time ever again, 
ever again. Number one, I don't know whether it's psychological or whether because you know what's coming. But yeah, if I am, you know, like after lockdown and I never have gluten, but I definitely had some sugar and I had wine and gin and tonic, no like good tonic and mainly soda water. So I wasn't, you know, going crazy. Um, and I only have Spanish wine or Italian wine and always organic and no sulfites, all that stuff. Um, But I felt a bit ropey for a few days when I stopped it all and it was the die off, but it was nowhere near what I went through the first time. First time I was bed bound for three days and I have clients who are like that as well. And I've seen Ed like that too, because I've been putting, subjecting him to the process. (laughs) He thinks, he said to me today, I've worked it out. You're trying to kill me, aren't you? (laughs) 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 You busted me. (laughs) So what, um, with your clients, if someone presents with, uh, with burnout or, 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 or some trauma related illness, it's knocked them, knocked them on their arses. What, what, what are your sort of go to? What, what are your top healing? tips for them healing tips um well quite often it takes my clients quite a while to realize that their illness is related to something that may have happened 20 years ago exactly what you've described and hats off to you for realizing that because you know I have some clients I've worked with for years who I'll say to them, you know, after a couple of months, hey, so let's just like, you know, can you think of anything that might have happened when you were younger that could have changed your cells and your the way your mind and body communicate? And they'll be like, no, 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 I'm totally fine. And then, you know, after a year, they're like, actually, and it's a really freaking big trauma. You know, we're not just talking about being bullied at school or, which is traumatic. You know, I'm not saying that's not traumatic, but um you know, your bikini top falls down at the swimming sports or, you know, something along those lines, which is traumatic. You know, these I've had some really pretty awful things from clients and I've said, and so, you know, can you remember after that how you felt and it comes out? But I think a lot of stuff just gets buried, you know. You, in order, the cl- brain and the body are very clever. They, What you can't cope with, we hide away. They- it is incredible, isn't it? Like for me, I compartmentalized the trauma for 35 years. I never taught about my primary school uh, life until, I, you know, what was I, 45. And then mm. suddenly it, 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 it unraveled because I was forced to confront it. But I thought, my, my God, that, was, that happened and that happened. That was weird. That was that was abuse. That was yeah. awful. And suddenly you piece it together. That's why it's illegal now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a reason for that. It's brutal. I can't imagine and, that. And do you, are, are you, um, obviously you're a coach like myself. Um, do you enjoy that whole, you're almost a coach counselor. You're, you're, yeah. How do you how do you tread that line? We sneak in. I sneak in through food, and then we get to the root cause. Because really, you know, I would. I'm just scanning in my mind, my clients, my lovely clients. Um, there's always there's always an emotional baseline. I mean, it could just be that they hate their work colleague. 
or they they're working too much or they you know there's there's always an emotional connection through it but so we start out I take out take out all inflammatory foods sugar dairy alcohol um gluten grains even grains because they can be quite inflammatory then we bring in um healing and sealing supplements and foods you know I love chicken broth from the 1900s very basic to heal heal the stomach heal the the lining the healthy bacteria because it's mental and physical you know when you're stressed that stress causes damage to your gut lining and then when your gut lining's damaged we get leaky gut and then we get particles of your food leak into your bloodstream and it creates these allergy like responses so it is um yeah it's a vicious cycle and then that makes you feel awful in your head because you're having these responses the whole time. So you've got to attack it. I like to attack it from all sides. So in my program um, and with my clients, we do food, um, we do yoga. So it's physical and mental there. Um, I love to make health a little bit lighter because health can be really heavy so I do health hacks and I just got this beautiful email from someone on my program yesterday and she said the best bit is you make me laugh every day I was like oh my god that's the (laughs) nicest thing anyone's ever said to me because I want to make you laugh because then if you laugh you release endorphins and you're going to immediately feel better so I have a health hack every day which hopefully makes you laugh um And then we do these TED Talks where you hear not just from me, you know, from doctors, doctor doctors, medical doctors, um, about what's happening in your body, what's happening in your mind. And then I do um, sound healing, which are these frequencies um, and PTSD healing. And I do them every day, um, whether I feel, you know, ropey or not, because I think what they do, there's this one called total body regeneration, is they, like yin yoga, they kind of reboot your body. And they make you just, you, I do 10 minutes and I'm like, oh, goodness, <laughs> I feel amazing. And they, and a lot of people on the course have been like, where have these been all my life? I've never slept so well. And as you say, sleep is fundamental and well-being. Um, mm. So, yeah, it, you've got to attack from every angle. And my ideal is when someone can actually take a month off life. You know, yeah. yeah, go to work. But and I think I remember you. I was like, okay, you're going to need to work as little as possible for the next month. And you, you got, you luckily had someone in who could kind of pick up the reins who you'd been training and and you could. Step- I mean, I still, I still haven't. Can you know my? I don't know my drive, my attention span. I'm still not fully back, back to back to normal on that. Um, but just one point that that. I never realized until I started working with you was the 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 neurons and the yes. the, the gut as a second brain. Yeah. That was that was a revelation to me. Well, and I just think it's so fascinating. We have this vagus nerve that comes from the 10th cranial nerve. So it's all the way up there and it comes down all through all your organs and it connects to your stomach and it sends more messages up to your brain 
from your stomach than it does from your brain to your belly. I mean, how crazy is that? So when you Mm. get that gut instinct, you listen. And that's the beautiful thing about when you change your lifestyle and you change your diet and you, you clear out all the fog is you get these instincts. And Ed, my husband, he he relies on my gut instinct massively. I'll say to him, nah, pull out of that right now. You know, if we're snowboarding or if he's he's working on a starts a project with someone and you know, I'll listen in on the Skype and I'll say to him, No, that this is not good. And there's been so many times when he you know, initially he wouldn't listen and then he's like, Oh my God, what do you always know? And I'm like, because I can feel it. And it's so the, you really tap into that and oh, trust that now hugely, and yeah, I use I'm, yeah use it. I'm start yeah I'm starting definitely starting to realise that 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 is a hugely yeah. important tool. You've got to take the pause. So you always take the pause. You always you stop for a minute and you and you think and you can eat. I mean, my mum's a great one on that. She she'll be like, give me the night on it, and she'll you know sleep on it and. And if that feeling's still there the next day um, or the next time you're in contact with a person or and I get it from people, I'm like, oh, I don't, I can't be around you. You're not, you're not. And I hate, you know, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm a happy, <laughs> I think I'm a happy witch, but I hate all that talk, you know, the resonation and all that, but it's true. I can feel people's resonations and, oh God, people are mm. going to switch off right now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> She's batshit crazy. <laughs> so your your approach is really holistic. You yep. you look at it from a psychological point yep. of view, the the diet, um, and and use a, a solution focus. That look, you're you're here, you're screwed. This is what you need to do to get to be. Yeah. Um, and and you guide them through it. Yeah, and and I always mm. say to people because they've usually by the time they come to me they've they've hit rock bottom they've been to a thousand doctors and specialists and and uh, and you know because I'm on the other side of the world quite often I'll have a client that'll say hey I'm going to try this local whatever and I'm like yay oh my god amazing but keep in touch and let me know how you are and then a few months later they'll come back and be like I think I just need to talk to you again because I just doesn't you know they don't quite they don't quite get it or they're not seeing it from every part of my life. You think we're exposed to so much through the day, even if you keep your TV off. You know, I don't put the TV on. I'll watch, um, we've been watching Glow. Have you watched it? Glorious, gorgeous no. ladies of wrestling. Oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> <gasps> Brilliant. Oh, good. I've just run out of, I've just finished Narcos, Mexico. So. Oh, God, start it tonight. It's the best ever glow. When Ed told me, I was like, really? Ladies of wrestling? Oh, no, it's just fabulous. We watched it with the kids. Slightly inappropriate. Wouldn't recommend it with children my age. But, um, you know, lesson learned. You learn from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think are the key factors in getting getting clients to to make the change it's all good good and well to they yeah. come and say oh, I'm, I'm broken but i find with some of my coaching clients that you can, you can bring the horse to water oh they have to be ready and and a lady a client i had this week she i first saw her three years ago once 
and she's come back this week and she said to me, I wasn't ready three years ago. I couldn't fit you in my life. And, uh, yeah, so I never um, – I, I say to people, I'm going to tell you my 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 best case scenario, and then you tell me what you can do out of that, and what is completely not going to happen, and we'll make it work because because with me, I want our changes to be for life. You know, I want you to um to to not think, oh, this is. I say to people, this isn't forever, but I'm lying. <laughs> It's not a lie. It is forever. So, um, because you feel so good once you make these tweaks that you never want to go back to the way that you lived before with, you know, white bread, eat white bread, you'll soon be dead, and, and preservatives. And d- don't get me wrong, I'll eat crisps, you know, if they're there in a bowl, but they'll be nice crisps and I won't eat them for weeks so I I get people to tell me where they're at what they think is doable and then we meet my ideal is that we meet every two weeks because you need to meet I mean you and I met every two weeks for like a couple of years was it Mm. yeah because everything changes so much from week to week and you have these wobbles and you fall off the wagon and that's okay and that's normal and that's life and you need to know that just because you fell off the wagon that it's not all over, you know. It's just easier to get on because you've been doing so much work on it. So, yeah, it's really a case of making sure people are – yeah, are comfortable from the outset and realistic. Yeah, because it it's learning how to live a different way and reprogram, not only reprogram mentally, but diet, dietary, the, the whole package. It takes real concerted effort to, to make the change. Yeah, exactly. It's huge. And initially it's enormous, which is why... It's so good at this time in lockdown to attack it. There is no better time to make a change. Do you know, I would love to do your course. Oh, you're going to? Yeah. I'm going to send you a discount code. And actually, you can give this discount code to anyone who's listening. I think... I made one last week. I think it's the health shed. Dave can confirm that with you, and it gives you twenty five percent off. Whoop, whoop. Um, yeah, to anyone who's listening, but I, I mean feedback, and I tell people to be brutally honest with me. And, and our f- mutual friend Matt Barr, he did it, and he wrote to me most days and was like, "Change this, do this, put this in, take this out." And I did all his tweaks, and and so far. There's only one recipe he hasn't liked and he should be happy to know I'm taking that out. Um, but it's easy. You know, I'm a busy mum, and so I want to make it as easy as possible for people and as family-friendly as possible. So, you know, you can teach your kids now the way that you should eat because the earlier you make it, the easier it is. The yeah, e- easier yeah, it is to change. Yeah, You've got recipes and... So it's... 22 days of yoga every day. So it's progressive yoga. It starts out easy and and then it's quite hard by the end, but it alternates. So you have an easy day, a hard day. 
And then um, I labeled them all so you can always go back to an easy one if you're not feeling like a hard one. And so you log in each day and you have me giving you a one-minute health hack. So, for example, day one is how to make an easy chicken broth. Day two is how to quit alcohol for these 22 days. Day three is um, having a pint of water with apple cider vinegar every morning to make your body alkaline because while we're sleeping, the body's clearing out all these toxins and we become really acidic. Um, And sometimes that can be all you need to clear a, a foggy head when you wake up. So you get these each day when you log on. I send you an email just checking in and you can email me. You can also, part of what you've got two packages, one package includes a halfway session with me. So we can talk in person and, you know, work out what supplements we should put you on. Um, And then you get at the start of each week, you get your shopping list, your menu for the week, and then you get your three meals a day. But your lunch is always your leftovers. So you're not having to cook lunch. So it's so easy. So just to wrap up, I know your your battery's about to go. Yeah, I'm worried um, it will die. I'm on like I've had that ten percent warning. <laughs> I need to go and salvage your your burnt cauliflower. Um, what 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 are your ambitions with with the work in the future? Where where do you want to take it? Because you're clearly hugely passionate about it. Oh, do you know I had a little daydream last night when I was in the shower. Uh, it started out wrong, but that's where it came to me. I've like doing a TV show because um, people like well in New Zealand they seem to like these these half hour shows on house renovations, and everyone's into health and everyone's into immunity. And I thought, imagine if you could tune in every week for like twelve weeks and just get this little half hour show on um you know how to tweak your life in the same way that you've tweaked your house shortcuts health hacks like and and how to just be happier and healthier and you know for me the huge thing is happiness if you wake up every day if you're unhealthy but super happy I'm like just if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you oh, I that's the holy grail. It's the holy grail. <laughs> I'd trade anything, yeah. To wake up every morning and feel euphoric every day, exactly. And so, um, I just think happiness. You know, for me, I just I, I do want to start my masters um, in you know this microbiome and the brain and and psychosomatic illness. Um, but on the other hand, my kids need me, my husband needs me, my parents need me. Um, I'm at that stage in my life where I, and I, I want to be, you know, not everybody wants to be that person, but I actually genuinely want to be that person that can support my little community and, mm-hmm. and then my bigger community, my Wanaka community. Um, you know, I took so much pleasure through lockdown. I taught so many free Zoom classes just because I wanted to help people because I wanted them to feel better and, 
and a lot of my clients, I just saw them, you know, for 20 minutes here and there and didn't charge them anything because I was just so worried about them. So for me, if I've got my health and I've got my energy and I can keep putting back to people, it's like this circular economy where what goes out, it always comes back emotionally. Mm So that's really that it. whole serving serving others yes. and helping the community. That's yeah, it's nothing huge. feels yeah. as good as that. You mm. know, as when you can um, give a gift to someone, make them a a coffee, coconut, salt, peppermint scrub. I just did that this week. Some, someone gave me one. One of my friends, she just brought it to school pick up. She said, I made you this today for my coffee grounds. And I was like, oh, my God. I think of you every time I'm in the shower now. <laughs> and have these brainwaves. A lot goes on in my shower, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Listen, Sean, that has been beautiful. It was so nice to, to catch up with you. So amazing to catch up with you. I feel like I'd quite like to do a podcast with you now and ask you a thousand questions. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe that's for the future. Yeah. Thanks for letting me talk about myself for over an hour. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you.